Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. On today's episode, we continue on the road with St. Paul, focusing on the idea of freedom, what that meant to early Christians and what that can mean for us today. Enjoy. Welcome to Round Hill Radio. I'm Leslie. I'm Ed. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Leslie. How are you today? I'm well. It uh, was raining, but now the sun's coming out. Thank goodness. Day's looking better, minute by it minute. It is, and it's not even too cold now. No, it That's warmed up great. a little bit. So last week, we were talking about St. Paul the man. Yes. The myth, the legend, mm-hmm. and the myths around the legend. Of which there are many. Many. Mm-hmm. I remember making a very surprised face at a few <laughs> a few things you said. I learned a lot. Responding to the myths. You know, that's, a, that's part of it. Yeah. So what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about St. Paul a little bit more. Oh, fantastic. We could probably talk about him a lot more, but we won't. We won't go too far down that road, but there's there's still a little more to say. Well, we've been talking about him in worship for for weeks now, which has been you know really deep diving into different scripture into different messages. Yeah, you know, I um, had some feedback from someone in the congregation who said what a pleasure it had been to take our time with this. So mm. we're coming into almost three full months of listening to these letters, which has been a really lovely thing to do. And it made me think of a comment that uh, Richard Rohr made recently. He works, uh, he's based in New Mexico in Albuquerque. And uh, he talked about something called the deep time. And I really love that phrase. And he said, quite often, we don't live these days in deep time. We're sort Mm -hmm. of skimming over the surface of things. We're easily Mm -hmm. distracted. So we don't get to deep dive into things. We sort of skip from one thing to the next. And deep time is, I think, what we're experiencing in this exploration. I think we're hungry for deep time in a lot of areas of our lives, but we're able to do that in worship, which is a real pleasure and privilege to step out of that other way of being and just really take time to consider something. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, you, if you take the time to, you know, get up, get dressed on a Sunday morning, which for Many people, not us, is a big, is a weekend day off. <laughs> it's our biggest work day. Um, you know, is uh, they're they're coming for something special and finding something special and meaningful there. Yeah, so that's really great. Well, I've been thinking about um, as I've been thinking about Paul and have had time to actually let my mind wander a little bit mm. and make some connections. I was thinking this past week about William Stafford, who's a great American poet. And one of my one of my favorite poems, poets, and he wrote a poem called "The Way It Is." And in that poem, he describes uh, the way sometimes in life you'll experience life as a thread. You'll sort of follow this thread. And he said, you know, there's something about life at the heart of life that's like a thread, and you want to follow it. And it's invisible to others, but it's really important to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, part of what I've been doing is asking the question. You know, what's the thread in Paul? Is there something that sort of flows through all these different letters? Because every single letter is addressed to a different gathering of people who are Jesus followers. He doesn't use the term Christian. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what is that? And it occurred to me that maybe one of those threads is freedom. So I've been thinking about that. Freedom. That's a that's a big topic. Big topic. That's a big one. Huge word. It is a huge word. And in our country, freedom comes with a lot of emotional power. Yeah. 
you know, and when it's used in a speech or a sermon or when we talk about the importance of freedom in our personal lives, that's, that comes with a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes those discussions can become very heated very quickly simply because there is so much emotional energy around it. Yeah. And you and I were talking just the other day about, you know, you can have a freedom from something. Mm-hmm. You can have a freedom to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a big difference there, mm. you know. Well, one of the uh, one of the thing I did a little bit of uh, speaking of freedom, free association this past week. Oh, nice! Mm-hmm. And just thought about the way you think about the way that the the term appears in our culture. You know, we talk about free spirits. That's mm-hmm. often a positive thing. So and so is a really free spirit. I wish I could be a free spirit. We might say, we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. I lived in New Hampshire for 12 years, and every day I got into my car, I saw the license plate which said "Live free or die." Oh, yes. That's pretty. Um, that's pretty. Final. Yeah. I remember a silly little anecdote. I, as a little girl, we would. I'm from Atlanta. Mm. We would go to baseball games. Mm-hmm. And the land of the free and the home of the Braves. Oh, beautiful. And I looked to my dad and I would say, well, Dad, what are they singing in other cities at the baseball games? Not that. Not that. That's for sure. And then I, you know, then you figure out, although, no, there's no S on the end. There you go. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good, important. Land of the free and home of the brave. Braves. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, so we right we play with this word and we use it. Uh, and, and of course, it's also been really important historically. You think about freedom riders during the 1960s, mm-hmm. people who hopped aboard buses, integrated buses, and made their way down south. Mm. Um, now we have freedom writers, people who write, you know, to bring to light issues about people who are enslaved. Um, so... That's how it, that's how I hear it, you know, mm-hmm. being used in our culture. And then I started to think about this this theme of freedom is important in the arc of the Bible. I mean, the Bible is a library. It's not really a book. It's got sixty six books, and it's always fascinating to me when suddenly you find one of those threads that seems to run through the whole thing. Mm. So I thought about the Book of Exodus. Freedom is a huge issue there because the enslaved people of Israel are going to be led by Moses. Mm who was commissioned by God to be their freedom fighter and to lead them out of bondage, which he does. And then, of course, many generations later, they wind up in exile. So mm-hmm. now they're not free anymore, but have to find an experience of liberty while they're, in many cases, have been removed from their homes. When I was in seminary, I read a wonderful book called Jesus Means Freedom. So that was really taking a look at the entirety of his ministry and using that one word to describe him. And then, of course, I think it really comes up in Paul. Mm. It's a huge issue for him. So how does Paul deal with this issue of freedom? I think he's uh, often grappling with it because he, in his own life, had this personal experience of the resurrected Jesus. This is Everything flows out of that. He had this vision um, and he really heard this call to follow and orient his life around Jesus. And he found freedom in that. There was a life that he had been living that he took off and he put on this new life because he found a certain freedom to love and to be for others in a way that he hadn't found before. And one of the things he always has to negotiate because he's almost always working with Jewish synagogues when he travels around the Mediterranean world is the sense that what do the Jewish laws and the Jewish traditions have to do with this new life in Christ? Mm, uh-huh. You know, are they still as important? 
not important? Are they to be shed completely? Are they to be seen in new light? And he's always navigating that. And sometimes it seems as if he's turned away from them entirely, and sometimes he's trying to figure out a way to honor them, but still orient people in a new direction. And the one letter where he really wrestles a lot with this issue is in the letter to the Galatians, sort of in the central part of what today, what would have been called Asia Minor, Turkey, the Galatian Highlands. It's the only letter that he wrote to a region rather than to a specific congregation. Mm -hmm. But he started working with these people and said he was introducing them to Jesus and the freedom that was part of Jesus. And yet uh, they were still trying to negotiate. So what are the old laws, uh, the circumcision rituals, the old texts? What do they still have to do with us in this new life? Mm -hmm. And so that's what he's trying to help them understand. Yeah, balancing that, you know, the freedom to worship in a certain way versus the rules. And I imagine a lot of them probably really connected with some of those rituals and mm, practices. Deeply, deeply, right. And so how do you, uh, when you're, and this is a problem that everybody faces in a way when you've developed traditions and stories that are important to you, uh, how do you, how do you continue to respect them and cherish them mm -hmm. when new things are coming into your life? Yeah. And that's an ongoing negotiation. Um, by the way, this is a little off of the Galatians, but I was thinking about how people are feeling about freedom these days. Mm. I mean, that's really something I've been trying to watch and listen for when I read the New York Times or listen to the news. And quite often, you know, it seems to me that there's this feeling that people have of being... Um, of being not free. Mm. You know, studies indicate that vast percentage of people are not really happy in their work, often feel trapped in it, use that word trapped. Mm. Um, there's more and more evidence to suggest that our reliance on technology for some starts to feel like a kind of addiction or enslavement. I think I read a study recently in which, um, I think this was in the United Kingdom, people were asked to keep track of the number of times they checked in on their cell phone every day. It was oh, no. 221 was the average, I think like every 4.3 minutes or something like that. Yeah, I'm probably more than that. I, sometimes I think I might be too. <laughs> it's so easy to do, and I, you know, we've gotten to the, into this culture as well where I feel like you can't... You almost can't get away because people are wanting immediate responses. Right, and right. No matter the day, the time, or anything, you know, it's like you haven't written me back in 30 seconds. Right. How dare you? Can't believe it. How dare you? <laughs> and, and you think about how then uh, chained we are waiting for the response of someone else. Oh, yeah. There's like a tension. Right. You know, until I've heard I'm not free. I'm glad that's not just me. It's not just you. <laughs> yes. Your name is Legion. You're one of... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not alone. You're one of many. I'm not alone. Um, yeah, because I know people go on genuine, they go on instead of normal vacation, air quote, normal vacations, mm -hmm. they, they call them, you know, tech vacations. Exactly. Web vacations and unplug, which is sort of a funny saying since nobody walks around plugged into anything anymore. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. we get the point. We do. And even if it's wireless, it's as if there are some invisible bonds that are holding us. Right. And so just, I just raised the question, how free do we feel? It might be interesting to think about 
just you know to review in our own minds what happened yesterday when was there a time yesterday when i felt really free mm. or over the past week or month you know and and were there times when i felt very much not free mm-hmm. bound to something and what was it and why was that and i think at the deeper human level that's what all of these um stories these biblical stories are getting at you know what are the kinds of enslavement that people experience and and enslavement as a very real human experience is growing. Uh, people in bondage, uh, people who are attached to, um, who are enslaved to the sex trade. I mean, there, it feels like global slavery is on the rise. So in all of these ways, I think we're experiencing the loss of freedom. And Paul makes for a really important conversation partner as we think about how to change the world that's creating all of that mm-hmm. enslavement. So what insight can Paul give us on this? What sometimes feels like a modern uh, issue and we realize it's in different ways timeless. Yeah, I think it's a great question, Leslie. And, you know, I think in some ways this is why we're, this is why we work these things out in community because they're a little challenging to figure out on our own. Mm-hmm. And Paul was adamant about the fact that uh, faith is uh, it's a team sport in a way, right? <laughs> everybody has a role to play and everybody's important. So a couple of things I, that come to mind when I listen to him and through his letters, there's a beautiful line that he has when he was writing to the Galatians. He says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And actually, I remember thinking years ago when I first came across that line, that's odd. Why wouldn't he have said, for love? or for peace, right, yeah. or for justice. Those seem to be words I would associate more specifically with Jesus. But the freedom part is really important because I think what he's imagining is that if we are free from fear, then we're really free to love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if we are free from the desire to get revenge, then we're really free to forgive, and then we're not shackled by bitterness. So the freedom is the thing that creates the opportunity yes. for love to flow, for generosity, for hospitality, for community. Exactly. But well the, put. But that the freedom, but without that freedom, we don't have space, yeah. time, energy, mm-hmm. capacity. Yeah. I think space is a great word. You know, you almost have to think of uh, freedom as, as the house in which you're living. It's your household. It's the context. And then... It's hitting too close to home, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that laughter bubbling yeah, up. Sorry. So laughter of recognition. For those listening, I'm having a bit of housing drama in my own personal life. It's all good, but it's I'm you, I'm, I'm living a process of uh, finding freedom in I, my home. I want to say to you right now, you are free. So embrace Thanks, that freedom in this journey. Right, become <sighs> unburdened. I feel it lifting already. Thanks for that. Well, uh, so maybe this, hopefully this will not be just cold comfort for you, but I heard someone say once about Paul and his passion for freedom that in a way it's a gift. It's, mm-hmm. it's a gift that we don't have to manufacture. It comes to us as part of this life of faith. It's, it's a given. Mm-hmm. We may not recognize it, but it's there as a gift. But mm-hmm. the second part of it is it's a skill. It's something we have to work at. And I, just for example, by virtue of living in the United States of America, this doesn't automatically make us free people. Mm. We have to think about the things that are 
preventing us from enjoying our freedom? Or are there things that we're doing in our personal lives that are preventing other people from enjoying freedom? So it can go both ways. But I really like this uh, definition of skill as a freedom, and, and, or of freedom as a skill. And in fact, St. Paul says, um, you know, do not use freedom for your own purposes. But, and, and then he goes on to say, but be servants of one another in love. Mm. So the ultimate test of freedom, in a sense, is how you use it to build up the world. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm free, especially in this country, would mm -hmm. like to think that I'm free to say almost anything I want to, anytime I want to, anywhere I happen to be. For better or worse. For better or worse. And sometimes that might be for worse. Yeah. St. Paul would say, well, yes. Uh, in fact, everybody in a way has that freedom. But the question is, to what ends are you using it? Is it going to build up and strengthen those around you? Or, you know, we all know what it's like to have someone speak to us in a way that crushes our spirits. Um, that doesn't feel like freedom of speech to me, right? Yeah, and I think, too, that in this, in this country right now, we're going through a, a time where truth is, to me, very important mm -hmm. and truth is elevated to a level of, of, of more importance than ever i mean i don't know to me i don't know that you know uh dishonesty is ever something to to tolerate particularly but i heard this quote the other day that made me really think that um that honesty without tact mm. is cruelty mm. and that mm -hmm. made me think back to uh different people in my life i had i had one a uh, one friend who 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 Always told the truth. Always told the truth. Which sounds... Sounds liberating. Sounds great. But if you're on the receiving end of said truth <laughs> without tact, mm. that makes for some hard days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that we that we wield this freedom to say what we want. Mm -hmm. Finding that balance between saying what you mean, mm -hmm. meaning what you say, mm -hmm. and kindness. Right. So you think about how St. Paul would approach that. So maybe I have a truth that I need to speak to you. Maybe that's a difficult truth. Mm -hmm. One may be difficult to speak and I'm, I'm thinking difficult for you to hear. My, my feeling is that St. Paul would be thinking, okay, how is all of that going to be put in the context of love? Mm -hmm. Which I think today we, we would say it's not just, you know, how you, what you say, it's how you say it. Mm -hmm. um, that's part of it. But it's really understanding, you know, is the truth that I'm speaking more about my need to say it and be clear about it and be a truth speaker, or is it my need to really help you in some way? Uh, what is that saying, right? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Mm -hmm. uh, Flannery O'Connor said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you odd. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what she was getting at is that you know, oddness is that we have a particular, within the Christian faith, we have this unique way of communicating truth so that it's not damaging. Mm -hmm. It's not harmful. It's not intended to crush someone's soul. But I'm trying to find a way to build you up at the same time to say something that, you know, may be important to communicate. Yeah. I want to circle back because I, I interrupted your metaphor with whining whining <laughs> no you know uh, but your metaphor of freedom being like a house oh yes yeah so i i think that freedom and and by the way i think it's a house not just in terms of the house we live it's sort of the house we always carry with us it's the space around us mm. 
It's um, this sense that I have that I am free to be a loving person, even if the world doesn't always recognize that or support that. And, and also to welcome others into the space where they can be free mm-hmm. to communicate the truths that are on their hearts and minds, to be able to ask questions. Um, I think right now, uh, going back to your comment, uh, Leslie, about the culture in which we're living, we're, we're kind of finding our way right now through this issue of freedom. It feels like we struggle to create the space, publicly especially, where people can feel safe enough and secure enough to be able to say and receive truth, to be able to en- enter into an honest conversation that goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is going to be really important going along, and we need to sort of bring with us this spirit, this freedom house, wherever we, we happen to be. I, again, going back to those freedom riders, many cases, right, they're driving through highly segregated communities, but on the bus you had black folks and white folks sitting together. Mm-hmm. So that in that bus, there was a kind of hospitality and inclusion that wasn't being experienced in the wider culture. Mm. And I love the fact that it was mobile. It was portable. They brought it wherever they were. And that can be true of us. We bring freedom wherever we go, which, of course, you know, as a child can tell you, isn't always true, right? There are some places where children feel just totally free and safe and secure in some places where they don't feel like that at all. And part of growing up in life is to try to bring everything under that same, within that same field of vision, Mm. that I can be free wherever I am, even if I know I'm going to be challenged in a certain experience or I'm going to get a lot of pushback for something that I stand for. I'm still going to be free. I have nothing to add to that. (laughs) Forgive me. No, that, that, I think that, that makes such a fantastic point, and I'm, I'm, you know, thinking back to just how many, uh, that idea of, of, of that house, that space we create around us. Because I know, I imagine you too. I've interacted with so many fantastic people over the years that you know, there's just something about them when, mm. when you go, when you you spend time with them and you're in their presence and you're talking to them, you feel like the best version mm. of yourself, and right. they just have this right. like aura or personality or or feeling about them, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that they've create, they create a space for you. They're inclusive. Mm-hmm. They welcome the, you into their space house. Yes. Their freedom house. Their freedom house. Their mm-hmm. freedom house. And, uh, I, you know, I always aspire to that and consistently fall short, but it's, but having that in my mind is always, is, is, is the thing I sort of always think about. It makes me think of people who go to such lengths to make sure that not not just they themselves, but other people can enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about a movie I saw some years ago called Conviction. It's about a woman named, I believe her name is Betty Ann Waters. And um, her brother's name was Kenny. And in 1982, he was convicted for murder. Uh, this took place in Ayer, Massachusetts. And despite the fact that the evidence didn't seem to line up and um, that testimony had been given, which wasn't true, um, nevertheless, he was sent to prison for life. And he protested his innocence in every way that he thought possible. And his sister really believed him. Um, And so over time, what became clear is that she was going to have to do something extraordinary to try to get her brother freed um, from this unjust sentence So she completed college and went to law school to become a lawyer 
in order to secure his innocence. And she was fortunate enough to discover an organization called the Innocence Project, hmm. which helps people like Betty Ann Waters and Kenny Waters with exactly this kind of, of plight. Um, it was founded in 1992 by Peter Neufeld and Barry Scheck. And uh, their mission is to exonerate the wrongly convicted through DNA testing and to reform the criminal justice system to prevent future injustice. This became their passion. So they listened to Betty Ann Waters' story. They, they took on Kenny's project um, and his case. And of course, she made it through. She did all of this for her brother. And uh, eventually he was freed from prison. Wow. And it was interesting because uh, one of the one of the leaders at the Innocence Project later, I think, made this comment about Betty Ann. She, he said, "You know, she didn't become a lawyer to become a lawyer. She became a lawyer to liberate her brother." Mm -hmm. And I think about the things that the resources we have at our disposal as individuals, uh, how we can bring those to bear when we're helping other people to experience greater freedom. Mm -hmm. And going back to the idea of freedom as a skill, I think it's a skill that gets strengthened through all the little minute decisions we make every day of the week. Like what? I think if um, you know we're making decisions about uh, what to do with any given day, you wake up and you have the day in front of you, maybe a large part of that is your work life, but you're thinking about what else to do. And sometimes in the thought process, I think we feel a compulsion to do certain things. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I better do that because, <laughs> or I ought to do it, or I should do it. Mm. I don't think those are necessarily free thoughts, Yeah. right? Now, sometimes we do things that uh, maybe don't necessarily line up with our own freedom because as St. Paul said, we do them out of love. Yeah. So we'll let something go on our own agenda because it's more important to strengthen someone, to help someone on a visit to the hospital, to reach out to a neighbor, to become part of a greater cause, all of yeah. that. But I also think during the day, these little decisions about should I do this or what would it be like? And I think this often happens in the creative life. I think the creative life often gets, I, I hear, I've met so many people over the years who have this passion for creativity and they want to write or paint or whatever it is, take photographs, and they will often let that go mm -hmm. because they feel compelled to do something else yeah, and uh, my hope for those people is that they will come back <laughs> come back to freedom and explore that part of themselves yeah i had a wonderful friend a few years ago who's who uh she hated the word should mm -hmm. and she would say she said leslie don't should yourself don't no. should it no uh, and i think about that all the time because like, oh well i should Right. And you know, there's an element of things you need to do, mm -hmm. and you and you do for your own life and your own thing. But that doesn't feel like, oh, I should. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if doing things for others or doing things for yourself, sometimes you can. It feels like a treat. You know, it feels like you're, you know, that the wonderful term of self care and, mm -hmm. and loving others. But there's those things you're like, well, I should. Yeah. I just hear her going, don't, don't should don't yourself. Do that. Leslie. Don't go that way. Don't go that way. Well, I think that. Um... Again, there are times when we do those things, we say yes to that, mm -hmm. and and don't regret it, and are happy we did the thing we <laughs> felt like we, you know, had to do. Yeah. Um, because in the end, maybe it really brightened someone else's day, or it opened up a possibility for someone else. But it's when that becomes that voice becomes the a whole way of life, mm -hmm. and uh, suddenly we're not really responding out of a real free will, you know, we're, 
we're really shaping our lives around the expectations that others have had of us and the way we've allowed that to happen. And there's also the idea of, you know, capital T, they. Yes. They say. Right. You know, well, they. They yeah. think, you know, the, the expectations we put sometimes on ourselves that are essentially arbitrary. Mm-hmm. That we've, you know, we live by perhaps restrictions and rules and, and boundaries that might not necessarily really exist except for what we've been taught to believe mm-hmm. about life, mm-hmm. how life, here we go, should be, mm-hmm. um, and, and what they say we should do, you know, without, in terms of, you know, creativity, in terms of career path, in mm-hmm. terms of little, you know, decisions you make about all sorts of things. You can mm-hmm. sometimes make decisions and not really know the basis of them until you look back and go, well, I didn't need to do that. Right. How often has it been the case that someone in college starts to feel um, that, you know, let's say she's being drawn to something, Mm -hmm. um, feels this sort of inner pull towards a particular vocation, you Mm -hmm. know, the sense of being called to something. And it feels very exciting, very rewarding. But she also understands that it's not what the family expects. Mm -hmm. It's not what the family was hoping. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's even a part of her in which she's thinking, boy, if I do go in that direction, I'm going to be letting go of a lot of other possibilities in my life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But to follow that can be a wonderful experience of freedom with all of the risks uh, that attend it and all Mm -hmm. of the need to continue to negotiated as it as it unfolds right now there's a remarkable movement going on in our country for people who are just beginning their second act act of life second half of life Mm. um and this is uh it's a little disconcerting in one sense because people are thinking what am i going to do Mm -hmm. i've had all of this training and career over the years to do a certain job or task but now i have life that's opening in front of me and it feels tremendously freeing. On the other hand, I'm. How do I do that? I wanted to touch on really quickly the the other side of freedom because uh, I feel like there can be a lot of fear mm. uh, in freedom. Sometimes mm-hmm. if I have too much time on my hands, mm-hmm. it makes me very nervous. Mm-hmm. If I'm like, oh, I have nothing. I need to be doing what something's wrong something must be wrong i have the freedom i can you know and then i like i i i I freeze Mm -hmm. because it doesn't occur to me oh you could go for a walk or oh you could do you know here's a myriad list of things you could do to enjoy your time and i panic (laughs) so i'm like there must be an email to send there's got to be something to do (laughs) my brother used to say if i'm not worried about something then i'm really worried (laughs) (laughs) i know people like that (laughs) So what you're describing is a perfect example of what happens when we have this opportunity in front of us. Yeah. And then all of these other voices start to rise up. Mm-hmm. And they all get into the same part of the stadium and they start booing down this wonderful, precious moment we have, right? To receive the moment in a certain way. Um so I, I think it's in, it's in those minute decisions where we really have to have the negotiation. And uh, it's about moving into uh, the unknown and befriending it 
and saying very politely to all those other voices, thank you for your concern. But no. But no. No. <laughs> you had your say, and I'm going off and I'm doing this thing now. So I, I think you've put your finger on something that freedom and fear may in fact be quite intertwined. Mm. You know, when we're doing something that's liberating, I think there is a little bit of a f- sense of fear that goes along with it. And that might be uh, actually a helpful and healthy thing. I mean, fear plays a certain role in survival. Mm-hmm. It, makes it, it makes our senses more acute. It makes us aware of our surroundings. It helps us to be alert to danger. Uh, every person I've ever spoken to who has started a new business or a new career, or faced a challenge, even in an area of expertise that's relatively new, mm. has sometimes felt at least that little jolt of panic. But I think what I've also heard over and over again from those same people over the years is that if they, again, said thank you, panic, um, <laughs> for being concerned about me, and it's okay, just take a breath, mm-hmm. it's going to be fine, mm-hmm. um, you don't need to worry about me. I'm going to be okay. I was made for this. Mm. Then that tends to quiet that voice and it tends to give us the ability, again, open up the space. We're still breathing. We're still doing okay to you know, embrace the freedom that is, again, already there. It's a gift. And it's not as if we have to manufacture it. It's more about receiving what's given. I think that is a fantastic thought to end on. I Thank hope you so. for that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna replay that in my head all day. Good, good for freedom. For Christ freedom. has set us free. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will be back next week with, I believe, one more. One more reflection on our friend St. Paul. Our friend St. Paul. We are so grateful to you for listening, and uh, yes, we are. We'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the members and friends of Round Hill Community Church. You can find more episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and roundhillcommunitychurch.org.